Hi, this is Mark Eltringham with the third in our series of podcasts looking at different facets of the wellbeing issue. Today, our guest is Professor Derek Clements-Croom, one of the world's leading experts on wellbeing and the built environment. His list of qualifications and breadth of experience as a researcher, educator, practitioner and advisor on the issue is so extensive that I can't really do it justice here. Briefly, he's a lecturer at Reading University and has founded and directed courses in his present post and other institutions back to the 1970s. This means he also has an extensive track record of academic research into the subject. He now offers strategic advice to clients, designers and facilities managers worldwide on attaining and managing healthy and sustainable environments. He founded and edits the Intelligent Buildings International Journal and has worked with influencers and regulators in the Design Council, CABE, the BCO and others, and is a fellow of the BRE Academy and fellow of the Royal Society of Medicine. His most recent work is the creation of a model of wellbeing called Flourish, which you really need to check out. In our conversation, we discuss his work and the Flourish model, consider how the workplace disciplines are addressing the greater focus on wellbeing in better ways, and also consider some of the least talked about wellbeing issues, such as temperature and air quality. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Mark Eltringham, and this is the Workplace Insight Podcast. Derek, um, it's my view that the um, the issue of well-being is is perhaps the most talked about, but also the most misunderstood issue in the workplace right now. Um, what do you think is the current state of play with regard to attitudes and awareness of the issues? Well, well-being is used as a word that covers... Uh, multi-dimensions just in the same way as the word wellness is Um, and so there is a big debate across society as a whole about what I would call wellness and within that of course is is the topic of well-being which is more specifically the effects of the environment on the human sensory system. Um, I think in general the we have been aware of how environment can affect us physically. We've been less aware of how the environment affects us mentally, how it affects our brain and our mind, and hence our everyday uh, decision-making. And and that's on an individual level, but um, what do you think organizations make of the issue at the moment as well? Well, the organizations we have interviewed uh, and had uh, focus meetings with a thousand people from uh, the industry, we being the British Council for Offices. And what came out of that, that the main issues were there was a lack of an awareness, uh, or it was at a very, shall we say, uh, shallow level at the moment. Uh, There was a feeling this is something we should take an interest in, but how to set about doing it and providing the leadership to do that uh, was a problem. And then we've got this evergreen problem in the construction industry uh, that we have suffer from short-termism. And these kind of issues like health and well-being and productivity and, and if we go on from there to sustainability, these are long-term issues. You can't base it on a short-term approach. So often the response is, oh, health and well-being, mm, yes, but very expensive. And of course, that's not true. It's actually an investment uh, and shouldn't be seen just merely as some sort of cost. And some of the ways we deal with well-being uh, aren't uh, particularly expensive, are not expensive anyway. My perception at um, 
when attending events um, in the real estate sector are that it's a subject that's talked about a lot. So is that is that something that's being pushed by the sector or do you think it's a response to the demand from um, occupiers? Well, I, I think it's a bit of each, uh, probably. I think, first of all, there's the, the push from society as a whole, uh, and we can see how this has impacted sustainability, for example, over the last uh, few few years. And now the issue is is health and well-being. And I think people um, as individuals are more conscious of their health. You, uh, We see the enormous cost this puts on the NH system with things like uh, obesity. So there's a great drive to think about what we eat, how we drink things, how we exercise, uh, and generally keep ourselves healthy, our, our own personal responsibility. And you see people now buying things like Fitbits to measure how far they've run and check their heart rates uh, and so on. And this has raised individual awareness about health and how the body responds to different things. And I think this carries over into the workplace. And you even get some companies uh, that give out wearables and encourage their staff uh, to use them because there's a feeling that companies are responsibility for the health and welfare of their staff in the workplace. And now people, the occupants themselves, are more conscious of this. The surveys that we get back from BCO show that something like 60 to 70% of people in the workplace feel they could do better, they could do more, they could produce more, they could be more productive. Um, and this ties up with other figures. There's an there's a interesting survey from the Harvard Business School uh, that showed that actually really focused, engaged working is about 24% in the sample of companies they dealt with. So I think the occupants are also providing uh, feedback that things could be much better, but maybe not quite knowing how, what, how to deal with this. And hence, this was a reason why British Council for Offices uh, gave this report out in 2018 called Wellness Matters which had taken about a year to carry out the research with three practitioners uh, and some academics, including myself. Okay. I mean, in terms of the term wellness, um, I, I think it's used interchangeably with well-being, but my own perception is that they, they're actually um, overlapping but distinct ideas. Is, is, is that something that you would agree with? I, I think I agree. I think you, you've, uh, you've expressed that very, very clearly. Um, I see wellness as more about one's life journey, one's own life journey at a more individual uh, level. And this covers all aspects, your, your uh, home life, your, uh, your work life, your cultural life, uh, all aspects. Uh, but you're in control. It's your kind of choice about your habits, your routines, and what you do. The well-being is a little bit more focused. This is, as you say, overlaps with wellness. Clearly, it does overlap. There are overlaps. But it's about the impact of your environment, wherever you are, on your sensory system. We live via our senses. Our senses are 
the thing that activates us into our thoughts and processes and actions and so on. And so it's therefore, you're not always in control. You might be in certain, when you're in your own home, but when you go out into the workplace, uh, of course, you're in an environment that's been constituted by lots of different uh, players, the company themselves, the building itself. And I suppose if you look back, even at the home situation, uh, your home um, can be a healthy home, it can be an unhealthy home, as the UK GBC report in 2016 showed. Um, so uh, it's the impact of uh, the architecture, the environment, on one sensory system and how we react to that okay because that it's something i've often pondered is how much organizations are um responsible for every aspect of people's well-being or wellness when you know so many of the things that affect it take place outside of uh, the office itself but also the remit of the organization's relationship with the um uh, with the individual i think that uh, this is a very interesting point and it's something that we're still kind of working out um what i'm tending to say uh, at the moment uh, when i'm talking with people students and professionals uh, we do have an individual responsibility so however well we design something or manage something at the end of the day if the person is definitely leading a very unhealthy lifestyle uh, there's nothing much you can do about it from the uh, architecture point of view. But, um, and, and hence, you see that the well version two standard that's come from America or, uh, originally uh, includes uh, nutrition and activity as two of the 10 factors that's in its uh, remit. Um, we do have that personal responsibility. On the other hand, I think you are beginning to see companies thinking, well, we want our staff to be um, kind of basically happy, positive in outlook. And if we can help by providing some activities, um, we, we can provide resting places, we can see the restorative uh, therapy pods in the mighty organization in the Shard building, for example. Okay. Um, or we provide uh, gardens where people can walk. Um, there's a manner of different ways of, of helping people. Uh, and of course, you notice going around many of the companies today, much more healthy food options are available. So I think everyone is conscious, they're all making an effort. And it's a combination of a company wanting to care for its employees. I think this psychological need to feel that the company cares for its workers is important, uh, but also we as individuals have to think about our lifestyle and uh, how we uh, contribute uh, to being healthy ourselves. I mean, this might draw us onto the, uh, the nub of what we, we, we can discuss here, which is about um, uh, personal control. Um, and in particular, one of the things I've heard people talking about a lot recently is how people might control aspects of their comfort, including things like temperature, 
and air quality um, using apps. So you're kind of individualizing people's experience of certain parts of the environment. Um, and air quality seems to get talked about a lot more than it used to. Maybe that's just my perception, both outside of the office and in. I know that the Times has got a campaign at the moment to, to look at um, um, air quality um, in the public domain. But do, do, do you think this kind of conversation is happening more and more in, in, in businesses? Or, do, or, or would you say that this is just me picking up on it belatedly? Um, no, I, I think you're right. The discussion is um, very prevalent. Um, the air quality one, the indoor air quality, because it's always been important, shall we say. I think it's getting particular attention because... Um, people are becoming aware of the impacts of air pollution starting outside in the environment, but of course some of that gets transferred inside to the environment. Uh, and we look at the effects of that on respiratory uh, diseases, cardiac diseases, and now of course the impact on the brain of things which are in the air. There is possibilities, and this is not proven yet, but there is research showing that um, you know, diesel fumes and so on can have some impact on, on possibly Alzheimer's and so on. Uh, all, all this is open to further research, of course, uh, and, and proof. So there, there is a kind of a lot of attention there. A lot of feedback from buildings, you often get a lack of uh, complaints about a lack of control, a lack of temperature control, a lack of air control, and that's stuffy. Um, so the indoor air quality is a multi-dimensional thing again. It involves not just uh, the air or the pollutants in the air, it also involves how you move the air around in the space. And often that isn't terribly good, to be honest. Um, so it, it's, a, it's quite a, <laughs> a complex area. Um, and the further you go into all of these various parameters, whether it's temperature, air movements, uh, solar gain and that, uh, there are some really quite many deeper issues than we've perhaps given attention to. We've tended to deal with things um, at a fairly basic level. If you look in the ASHRAE guide, you look in the CIBSE guide, it's the best knowledge they could have at the time, but some of it is, be, is quite old and doesn't always reflect uh, uh, the, 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 what we have our present state of knowledge about some of these issues, which are much more subtle than we ever realised. And, and do you think people tend to fall back on the standards? And I know, I know they certainly do that with lighting, don't they, for example, that, that you fall back on a standard rather than addressing it as a complex. Yes, and uh, but that's, a, that's a good example, the lighting. And now we can see um, that light affects us it affects our melatonin cycle at cortisol levels. Um, it affects, so it affects our attention. Um, it has a psychological effect. Uh, but often, many of briefs for buildings would be simply, ah, oh, we need so many looks. And we want a glare index of, of so much. And that's about it. And so <laughs> now we're seeing, of course, with this, um, increasing use of um, circadian lighting, for example, uh, a, a much more subtle approach about lighting. The emotional qualities, uh, the emotional environment can be set by the lighting, for example. 
Um, so um, the lighting is a very good example of where we've really designed to a very basic level, shall we say, uh, but has not considered these more subtle things, which we are beginning to do now. So things are changing. Well, I was recently with Siemens and they were talking, well, about two things that I thought were kind of interesting is a sort of, um, one is obviously the building systems, which is more of their sort of traditional business in, in, in terms of offices. But also they've acquired an, uh, an app that gives people a degree of personal control over their immediate working environment. And I thought that's kind of interesting is having a conversation about the building systems is one thing, but, but then giving people this app on their smartphone that they can use to maybe control certain aspects of their environment is, is, a, is a subtle um, shift in, in the way the building functions. Well, yes. I mean, when I started the, it came into the industry a long time ago now, I mean, you talked about heating or air conditioning, ventilating a whole room. But now we see that there isn't a need always to do that. We can think about micro environments and nearest environment around people. And there, there was a development uh, by, I think it was Honeywell some years ago, on a personal environmental module, a PEM they called it, which never took off in the UK, but was used in America where people at their desk had their local heater, their local task lighting, uh, even the thing to look at broadband noise and so on. Um, and that was an attempt to let people have their individual control. So the app uh, you're speaking about now is, is really a, a continuation of that sort of idea of having a more local control, having a, a bank background, shall we say, and from the background you, you can step up, you can tune your local environment around you. Um, and I think it raises this basic question that a lot of the basic standards of that are on averages. Now, uh, this is an argument in research, and there's many that have different views on this. But I think we have to be careful about using averaging data. I mean, it's all right up to a point, but it's very rough. What the most interesting things you learn from that data is the individual differences. It's the differences that suggest different options, different things you can do. And often we've tended to take the, <laughs> the average and, and use that. Um, that. There have been attempts with uh, ventilation to use pulsating airflows, which go on and off. And the Kojima building in Japan, for example, um, is a great example uh, where the atrium has uh, uh, bio music. Um, it, it, it has uh, variable airflows. Uh, which come and go, um, they think it's sort of not exactly simulating outside conditions, but it's more natural state, they feel, to let the conditions wander a little bit, and then people can have their little control of the side. And that atrium in the Kojima building is very successful. Um, and according to their economic figures, it's... it's it's very beneficial to them in, in financial terms as well. Can people feel movement? Well, only to the degree that you would if you were having a nice, uh, pleasant breeze across your forehead or something like that. Uh, but it's not a constant. The thing is, it's not constant. 
And I think this raises another question. <clears throat> we don't really want constant environments all the time. The human beings get very bored with everything that never changes. Uh, the sentry system almost requires some variations, you know, to, to keep it working, keep the interest there. Um, I, I think they call it uh, sentry contrast pattern recognition is the psychological term. Um, so, you know, some variations are, are welcome. And we, up to a point, we've been frightened to do that. We've been tended to think, oh, what we must get is a kind of almost constant situation, steady state, constant situation, and everything's smooth, and that's the answer. And I don't think it is. I think there's more to it than that. And, and that comes back to the point you raised earlier about lighting, or how that might vary during the course of the day as well. Yes, indeed, indeed, yes. And there is some interesting work on, on that. Um, that uh, is, is showing that people like this contrast change. They don't want it always the same level all the time. And, and it kind of, because to come back to the conversation with Siemens, I think the, the app is obviously also designed around agile working environments or activity-based working environments where people move within the office to different types of space. So that I'm, you know, ideally, I suppose that would be where people can meet their personal preferences as well. Exactly. Because and 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 that comes to, um, I mean, the latest example I have, which um, I'm just describing in the in the book I'm finishing at the moment, um, is the Olympic Edge building in um, Amsterdam. Yeah. where they have the apps. They did it also in the Edge um, uh, Deloitte building as well, of course. Um, and people have their choices to make where they're going to be. There's no ascribed, ascribed workplaces. Uh, you, you, you find your place where you want to be, use your app, arrange your parking and all, all the manner of things. We did a podcast with um, Sandra Gritty of Edge, which was very, very interesting. Um, and I kind of... I think everybody's been aware of this build. Well, not just this one building, but you know, their their series of buildings for a few years now, and they seem to be very, very uh, progressive in 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 these terms. Um, I, and w one of the um, phrases you use in your flourish model, which I would urge people to go and seek out, um, um, that addresses these sort of issues in a, in a holistic way, is about the wow factor and the role of people's. Mm feelings and perceptions of well-being mm. the effect of the office on them and um i just wonder could you talk to that a little bit please yes i mean the the flourish model um i've i've initiated it comes from a number of years of thinking about how we can uh, get a more subtle um holistic way of looking at the environment in buildings and uh, there's been a number of areas of research from my colleagues that have contributed towards this model. What I've concluded um, is that we, we, there are three basic layers of interest for the model. First of all, there is the comfort, but I see comfort as the basic almost health and safety baseline. Okay, so that's fine. So I'm not saying you know, there, we shouldn't ignore comfort. But I don't think talking about comfort alone is enough. It's too neutral, too static. 
there needs to be something else. The next layer is personal control because I haven't seen any people disagree with the general conclusion from a number of studies over many years that the human being likes some degree of personal control. It accepts there are central controls for emergencies and, and, and certain issues, but if you have no personal control, everything's centrally controlled, there, there seems to get a, a psychological block somewhere in the system. The third layer is uh, what I call the sparkle layer or the wow uh, factor, things that you can't measure directly with instruments in the usual way. Uh, there could be color, it could be views out, it could be biophilia, a uh, number of those other issues. But that doesn't mean they're not important. It's just that we've felt because we can't measure them, then oh well, we have to sort of take part luck. Um, well, um, I think things have changed because the way we measure things now is we still do the basic engineering physics approach with instruments that we have been accustomed to for uh, many years. Mm -hmm. But in addition to those instruments, we also have wearables now, so we can measure the physiological state of the person and also moods as well, for that matter, and stress of the person. Um, and we can also look at the state of the uh, effect of things. That's the, how people are feeling about things, their perceptions of things. These are with questionnaires and interviews. And so what we're seeing is now the natural sciences like engineering and physics um, coming together with the social science techniques of questionnaires, interviews. Traditionally, engineers and scientists, natural scientists, were a bit suspicious about social sciences. Um, but now, which we can see with the various post-occupancy evaluation approaches, we do need to use some social science uh, approaches as well. So it's combining these that gives us a better measurement. And I think what most of us in this area are concluding is we do need to monitor. We need to monitor, we need to have the data. It's easy to get now, it's not too expensive. Um, it's available, <laughs> it's available at a personal level. Some people are, are measuring all sorts of things they never dreamed of measuring in their homes before now. So, so all this data is easy to get at a reasonable cost. And therefore, this is gonna help us to get much deeper meanings into these things. So if we have the Flourish model with those three things, it's saying, if you ignore these things, then there are negative effects on economics because absenteeism increases, presenteeism is high, uh, staff turnover rates are high, all the economic factors are there. What I felt was we needed to bring together the environmental factors, whether they're subjective or objective, we need to bring together some uh, something about perception about how people are feeling in their workplace and then of course the realistic output from the economic point of view what's what's the impact of these things on that and that's where you get the value of course by paying attention and getting good holistic environments you will benefit in terms of the 
staff turnover not being high and absenteeism going down, um, presenteeism also being lower. And this is being shown as we're getting more interaction with the human resources departments in companies that usually have some of this data. Uh, we know medically that absenteeism is caused a lot by musculoskeletal things, so ergonomics in the workplace is important. We know mental health is, is a factor, but we know building sickness syndrome and associated factors with that are important. And they together contribute towards wasting about a hundred billion pounds a year on absenteeism presentism in the UK. And hence the reason why people are so focused on it, I guess. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Well, well, thank you so much. Uh, can I just sorry. finish on one thing? To... Oh, sorry, go on, carry on, one more thing. I, I can say that the Flourish model can be used in practice. We work with occupants to map their needs with the Flourish wheel. Um, and we work with human relations departments to get the economic data. We then redesign a Flourish map uh, using and collect data from the environment and people. And then we make recommendations. And where can people find it? It has, it's the framework for wellness matters from the BCO. So it's in the BCO. Uh, to get the detail on it, they need to come to me at the moment. Excellent. Okay. And we'll leave your details for people to find you as well. Yeah, of course. Excellent. Thank you so much. Great pleasure.